The SI99 has been released, and the Gators are pretty active on there. We're going to talk about it with John Garcia from Sports Illustrated, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Happy Friday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com. And just a reminder September 1st, September 2nd. In Gainesville, at the Social in Midtown in Gainesville, Locked On Gators will have live shows Saturday, Saturday, uh, Thursday, September 1st, 7 p.m., Friday, September 2nd, 5.30 p.m., and then Saturday is the game, Florida hosting Utah. But now, John Garcia from Sports Illustrated, Director of Football Recruiting, he's right here. Joining me now for Locked On Gators is John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Recruiting Insider. And before we even get into it, I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to. Faster, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash College. Terms and conditions apply. And John... You're a Sports Illustrated guy, obviously, Director of Football Recruiting, and this week you guys released your SI-99. There are two Gators commits on it. There are quite a few more Gators targets on there, but we're going to start talking with the commits. First up, number 59, Eugene Wilson. And before we even talk about the ranking spot itself, I'm curious, what is it that gets you guys to list someone as a slot specifically? Is it what they did in high school, a projection for how they should best be used in college, what is it that got Eugene Wilson that slot designator? It's a good question, Brandon. It's, it's a combination of both. We, we see Eugene all over the field at, at Gaither. Um, and then it, with Team Tampa in the offseason, we see him primarily in the slot. And, man, it just works so well that you kind of – he kind of forced us to, to make that change from receiver to slot. Uh, it's not a knock. I, I do think it's it's got a connotation around it like, hey, this is a – slower you know smaller player like no eugene wilson is one of the fastest human beings in florida so it's not that um he's not the tallest player in the world but really it's it's a compliment we're saying that you are a matchup nightmare because you're either too explosive for linebackers or you're too darn polished as a route runner to to be limited by the boundary or limited by some other spots that receivers line up so you want your slot position to have a two-way go which is the hardest thing to combat as a defensive back because you don't have the sidelines, you know, as another defender. So I do think it's a complement of your polish and route running ability. And those slot receivers in the 99, my goodness, all those guys can absolutely run and can absolutely put together a route combination to, to make you fall down as a defender. So I think that's why it's such a small group every single year. I think just five slot receivers made the SI 99. But for Eugene, he fits a lot of that. I mean, just a great route runner, extremely explosive and we love him after the catch, which is kind of the less talked about element of being a slot. The old school design of, of, of a trip set 
to throw that bubble screen is to that inside receiver, the slot receiver, you know, and you get those out, outside receivers to block, and, and there you go. It's a race between the guy covering him and, and the slot receiver, which Eugene's going to win more times than not. So I think all those elements really uh, lead us to having Eugene as one of the top slots in America. Uh, I had a coach call me yesterday who said, man, I hadn't watched Eugene Wilson until I saw your list, but holy crap, I love him. <laughs> like, he's just a guy that once you dig into it and actually watch, you you kind of fall in love with his game because it's it's safe, it's reliable, and it's explosive. It can really flip the field in an instant, and I think that's the definition of, of game changer and, and a modern slot receiver that every offense wants to utilize uh, in the middle to complement with these big freaky hybrid tight ends that are populating the sport as well yeah you mentioned how difficult it is as a defender to guard a good slot receiver and i i can share that uh when i used to play football i i was a dp it was safety corner and i went into the slot a couple of times and i will say it didn't go well for me (laughs) any any time that i was ever in the slot it did not go well for me um so i I, but i'll leave it at that one with that but uh how is it that eugene wilson stacks up against the other slots you mentioned five on the si 99 he is number three so what is it kind of that puts him right in the middle of the other ones well, the the production is great, right? We, we've seen him so much in person and on tape excel at a very high level against great competition, right? The Tampa area doesn't get enough credit for being pretty darn good in the high school football world. I think Tampa Jesuit has kind of started to change that a little bit. And Gaither over the last few years has won like 35 games. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Obviously, the bloodlines are strong here, you know, with, with the NFL legacy status. That helps us give a little bit more benefit of the doubt, but really it's about uh, the physicality he also brings. This is a kid who's really pound for pound, well-built, very, very strong, well-proportioned. He's not, you know, this skinny kid who you just like, man, if he adds 25 pounds, I don't know how he's going to carry that. Will he be this explosive down the line? He doesn't have to worry about those things. He's already kind of rocked up, you know, big legs as well, lower body dominant, um, you kind of built like a track star. Uh, and I think that's a great thing. He's a little bit more polished physically and mature to where you don't have to worry about him adding weight and trying to hypothesize what he might look like athletically. We already see it. You know, that that's part of the reason why we value the floor so much at SI is because we, we want to know who the great college players are going to be, you know, not so much concerned about the NFL and, 10 years from now, who that next Tom Brady is going to be, who develops and has all this stuff. That's fun, uh, but I'm not a scientist, right? I'm, I'm a football scout, and I want to see guys who I know freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, they're going to splash. You know, Eugene Wilson will be catching touchdowns in the swamp. You know, that's what I want to know from this list. I want to tell college football fans, hey, these are the 99 guys we think next year, two, three years from now, these guys are going to impact college football the most out of all the kids in the class of 23. So with Eugene Wilson, we see so much of that floor on display every single time. So that's why he gets a nod again as a top three at that position, which has more value than it ever has and more competition than it ever has. There's a lot of guys who are small DBs that are moving over to offense. Like, Hey, let me get some, some slot receiver in as well. So that's an expanding position group. So to be top three, obviously is extremely high praise and, We have high expectations for Eugene alongside them. 
Yeah, and the other Gator commit on this list is another pass catcher in Aiden Early Mizell. He's wide receiver nine, number sixty-five overall. And before even talking about a story or about your evaluation of him and where his ranking, uh, I will share that when he committed to Florida, I went live after, and I, uh, I, I may have brought up maybe Eugene Wilson could be faster than Aiden, and Aiden commented on the video the other day. <laughs> What do you say? And he was just like, hey, man, love the video, but I'm faster than Eugene. And then he DM'd me and he said, one of the fastest recruits, don't forget it. Um, <laughs> I love it. It is confident and I love it. What led to his ranking of being 65? Yeah, look, this is a great receiver. Yes, one of the fastest receivers. I would love to see that race, by the way, because I think you're talking about long speed versus quickness both very explosive. I think Eugene gets them off the line, but yeah, maybe depending on how long the race is, Aiden uh, can catch up and, and maybe uh, win from there. But yeah, that, that'd be fun. Good problem to have for Billy Napier and Kerry uh, Colbert and company down at UF uh, for sure. But yeah, Mizell, top 10 receiver in this class, which is so much high praise. This receiver class is we talk about quarterbacks a lot because, look, they move the needle and there's a lot of depth and Arch Manning and blah, blah, blah. It's very fun. But the depth of the receiver class and the edge class, those are the two positions that had the most prospects in the 99. And that's not counting the slot guys. So the receiver's traditional style, like Mizell, had 17 guys in the 99 plus five slots. So you're really talking about 23 wide receivers out of the top 99 players in America, almost one-third of the entire list as wide receivers. So to be in the top third of that group says a lot for you as a prospect. And obviously Mizell brings great size, great length and great speed. We knew about the confidence. We, we heard this is an alpha type of player um, person uh, and player, I should say. Uh, and then the commitment showed us, man, this kid's got no fear either, right? Live Gators at the verbal commitment, SI editors calling me like, Hey, what's the deal on this Aiden Mizell? And I was like, uh, you know, I don't know. He's a great receiver. He'll be in the 99 soon. They're like, well, he just committed with live Gators. Is it worth writing up? I'm like, yes, he's going to be in the 99. This is one of the best players in America. Um, so obviously all that happened. Um, but yeah, this is a great player, but he's got this combination, which is interesting to me because we know about the size. We know about the speed, true vertical ability, but there's also room to grow here. So you get, you know, we love the floor conversation, but if you have a great floor like he does, but also a high ceiling on top of that, now you really pique our interest. This is the Cormani McLean kind of territory where you're like, this is a guy you got to get in on this list. Uh, and I think Mizell still has room to grow as a route runner. He's got room to grow physically and fill out as a wide receiver, just as a football player, which I think he'll be able to carry, you know, 15, 20 more pounds and, and still have some of this dynamic ability attached to his name and that's where you start to say man hard to keep a guy like that out of the top 10 and and it almost happened but it didn't happen there in the end like you said wide receiver nine in these rankings and, and, and it's a loaded year at that position i mean my god even in the state of florida you can go 30 deep before you start to run out of power five guys i mean it's really crazy to think about but even in the midst of all that he is absolutely one of the best and right in the thick of, of that conversation, but still has so much in front of him that he's a guy that, you know, if, if you had to try to project guys who can move up in the January ranking, the final ranking we do, 
he's a guy that comes to mind early because you know the production is going to be there. But if we start to see more size and polish and physicality, now all of a sudden he becomes a complete receiver with these crazy physical traits. And now you, you have to move him up there at the end of the day. So big fan of both of these guys. They were ranked very close to one another. I know we talked about Maybe Wilson's the top receiver. Maybe Mizell's the top receiver in this class. I mean, Andy Jean was was a con, uh, in consideration for the 99 as well. Uh, so it, it's really a great class at the position and a great haul so far for Florida. I don't know how many schools have multiple receiver commits in the 99. Off the top of my head, I know USC does, Ohio State does, Florida does. That, that might be it off the top of my head. So that, that's a whole heck of a lot of positivity coming to Gainesville at a major position of need as well. Yeah, and uh, you, you said he's one of the guys that when you're talking about who might move up the list in January, he comes to mind early, and that is his nickname. So, so <laughs> it's perfectly there. But we're about to talk about some Gators targets that are on the SI99. But first, a quick word from Bet Online. Do you think the Florida Gators will win seven or more games this year? Do you think they'll win less than that? Because right now, the odds have changed. Bet online, the Gators' win total is set at seven wins. I've said it before, personally, I think they're going to win eight or nine. So I'm still taking the over. That has changed nothing. But now, if you think they're going to win seven games, bet the over. Or if you think they're going to win less than seven, bet the under. And you get a push if they win exactly seven. So ties suck, but at least you get your money back. Bet is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Been using it for years now. It's no secret. I openly say this. I love Bet Online. They're fantastic. It's got so much, not just football, baseball, basketball, soccer, hockey, tennis, boxing, MMA. Uh, and I say MMA because it's more than just UFC. So MMA, uh, darts, esports like League of Legends, Counter Strike Go, I, Global Operation, I think it stands for. You've got economics, politics, if aliens are going to invade. You can bet on everything on this site. I'm serious. Check it out. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn all about the trends and action. Check out Bet Online. It's where the game starts. Now we are back with John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Recruiting Insider, talking about the SI99 that dropped earlier this week. And you mentioned this guy last segment, but now we're going to talk about him here. And Florida's been talking about him endlessly, like just talking my head off about him. But Cormani McLean, the number two player in the class. Corner one, next best corner is Malik Muhammad down at number 16. How much of a difference is that really between, I mean, obviously, Cormani, number two player in the class, incredibly high praise. So, so how much of a difference is that between him and Malik Muhammad? It's it's a, a conversation about floor and ceiling. Uh, I think both have strong floors. You know, Cormani uh, is extremely long. The ball skills speak for themselves. We've talked about it like 19 interceptions the last two years. Just hard to beat production-wise and tangibly at that position. Um, I do think with Muhammad, you get more technique, more polish, a guy who flips his hips a little smoother. He has more experience at corner, and it shows up on tape compared to Cormani. But Cormani just has so much more he can show. Kind of like we talked about with Mizell, the floor is good enough. But, man, if he starts hitting the ceiling on top of that, you can get into the the Derek Stingley, Eli Ricks kind of conversation of not only is this going to be a college All-American, this could be the top corner in the draft, Sauce Gardner kind of style, if he starts to come along from a technique perspective because he's so big, so long at 6'2", the ball skills, the speed, the instincts are just off the charts here. 
So if he gains the weight and some polish along the way, it's just going to be hard to keep him off the field, even without the corner experience that a Muhammad has or an AJ Harris has as some of the top corners in the country. So I just think it was it was undeniable to, to rank Cormani any lower. And we almost pulled the trigger on number one for him. We were very close to making him the number one player in the country. It was just that polish. That was really the last element that we're still waiting to see a little bit more of. And again, you know, even though it's only one spot, you know, it'd be a big jump if he moved up to number one. And it's certainly possible. We had a guy like that last year as a number one player in Travis Hunter, where it was just such undeniable production at receiver and corner that you really couldn't deny him. The problem is this year, there's so many damn good quarterbacks that it's hard to move them off of that post. And I think five were in the top 10 overall, uh, but there was really no question for the number one corner spot. And, and again, it almost pushed Cormani to number one overall. We were, again, very close. This debate went much longer than anyone that I've had. Um, year one, Bryce Young was the number one guy. We put that to bed early. Uh, the next year, it, it, it was um, it was Caleb Williams. We were just like, this is by, by June. That thing was wrapped up before the August release. This year, the Dante, Cormani, Arch, that conversation all went all the way until the 11th hour, until basically last week. Uh, so it, it slowed us down with some of these other evaluations, but for good reason. It means this class is absolutely loaded across the board, and, and Cormani is one of the first guys you have to talk about. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned you know five quarterbacks in the top 10. I believe Arch is QB5 at number nine overall still, so obviously it's still very high ranking and a lot of competition there, but hey, Arch chose to go to Texas, so he can he can talk about that with the Longhorns. <laughs> <laughs> but how important is it for someone like Cormani McLean, where you talk about, you know, he just doesn't have the polish, the technique right now, but his ceiling is so high. So how enticing does it have to be for him to go, you know, Corey Raymond, he's over in Gainesville. He helped LSU become DBU for a bit. I can, I can benefit a lot from working with someone like him. Yeah, speaking of Stingley, right, who just went, you know, super high in the draft. Yeah, it's it's got to be enticing. And, and Cormani says it every time you talk to him. He's like, look, Corey Raymond is is maybe the GOAT cornerbacks coach in this era. He's produced as much or more than anybody, whether you're talking Saturdays or Sundays. And that has to weigh heavily. Cormani knows he's a little bit raw. I mean, he knows that. Um, and he wants to be a coach by a technician. And I think that's why you see the type of DB coaches – uh, and head coaches, really, that are involved in his recruitment. It's, it's Nick Saban. It's Corey Raymond. It's Tavares Robinson. It's guys who have, have kind of been there and done that at a very, very high level for a very long time. So I think that's why he's, one, taken so long to figure this thing out because there's a lot of great options, but two, really, really looking to to build a relationship with these coaches before jumping in because it's it's going to be a long road ahead of, of work for him um but obviously a guy like Corey raymond you know nobody would be surprised and i think that that is why you hired him you hired him to win this type of recruitment he's won some good ones so far love shreep denson we've talked about a lot of these dbs but you win the cormani recruitment and it feels and hits differently because you went head to head with everyone in america who recognizes that this is the best defensive playmaker in the united states uh you know at, at a premium position you know with great length and great size i mean it's just so many boxes checked with cormani that even contending is is a big deal but obviously it's a results business so you got to win in the end 
Yeah, and there's another top five player that Florida is pushing for and hoping for. Uh, number five player overall, offensive tackle one, Samson Okunlola. I mean, what are the Gators' chances with him? Because I feel like we haven't even heard much since he listed his top schools in July. Yeah, th- this is really a timeline deal, Brandon. If if There's a little bit of buzz about him committing soon. So if that happens, I think it's more conventional. Um, Georgia, Bama, Miami probably has the most buzz today. Uh, but if this thing stretches, and he's only taken a couple official visits, so the the visit calendar tells us a lot of room for it to stretch into the fall, that's where you get a more – level playing field where Florida, Oregon, Michigan State, some of these other contenders can start to feel better about their chances because they're going to play the long game, be able to show, you know, some of the pitches that they've been been talking about. Now they can show this is why we need you. Look, you know, look at this. Let's watch this tape against this school. This is why we need you at left tackle as soon as next year because of XYZ. So I think that helps those programs that haven't hosted him uh, and haven't felt like they have as much buzz like Florida compared to Miami, Georgia, and Alabama, which have seemingly been at or near the top the entire way. Yeah, and then just one more player who we're going to talk about today, but it's Monroe Freeling. He's the number 42 player, offensive tackle four. What's the general feel for him? Because I know you've been here a lot. We haven't talked about him much, but I know that I've had listeners ask about him because – Gators fans are getting a little little panicky on the offensive line here. So what's the latest on Monroe Freeling as a player and with his recruitment? Yeah, great player. I think there's a lot of versatility there. Very, very tall and long and lean prospect. Kind of the, the build that a lot of coaches are preferring with their offensive tackles as opposed to having them be overweight and shed weight. Once you get to college, they'd rather go the other way, put the weight on. And I think Freeling checks a lot of those boxes. He could play right tackle. He could probably play guard if you needed him to as well. So there's a lot of offensive line positional value with his game. And then his recruitment has reflected as much. The buzz has shifted everywhere with this kid. He's from South Carolina, so Clemson has been involved and has held some buzz for some time. Notre Dame held buzz for a long time. North Carolina, Georgia have had their kind of ins and outs. Now we hear more Alabama, Miami's in it, Florida's in it. It it has really gone all over the place, and he's kind of gone quiet with how he's approached it. So unlike Lola, I don't think there's an inkling that he pops out of nowhere soon. I do think he's going to take his time uh, most likely with his recruitment going forward, which, again, helps those schools that don't have that clear advantage for him. So, you know, the Clemsons of the world don't have as much juice the longer the recruitment goes. Same thing for Notre Dame, which has a five-man class already. Miami's already got four committed. Bama's going to get another one before your audience hears this podcast. That'll be their fourth commitment. So you look at Florida and some of these other schools that don't have as many alignment on board, and it looks a little bit more uh, free for Freeling to have some early playing time and and buy into the sell that, that these offensive line coaches are pushing his way. So he's kind of him and Okanlola, great that you bring them both up. They're kind of the final two big time left tackle prospects available. Uh, and I think they're the top two uncommitted left tackles in the 99 as well. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who stays in the mix and how soon these guys come off the board. Cause either one of them could take it all the way to December. And I don't think any of these teams are going to bow out on their own end because they're that talented. So those two will be fascinating to track. And awesome. Thanks, John. Make sure to catch John everywhere on the Locked On <laughs> College channel. Uh, 
we'll, I mean, we got a bonus episode Saturday coming out that's going to be with you as well. So you'll be here. I'll talk to you tomorrow, dude. It's as simple as that. Thanks for coming on Lockdown Gators, John. Catch him on Twitter at John Garcia underscore JR. Find him with Sports Illustrated. He's Sports Illustrated's director of football recruiting and Lockdown Recruiting Insider. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow with John Garcia again as we've got a bonus episode talking about Cameron James, Kelby Collins, and more Florida Gators recruiting. So tune into that. Now make your second listen Locked On SEC hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Gordy gives you the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university, the University of Florida, right there on Locked On SEC for Locked On Gators, though. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon right here, right here. I got to point that way. There we go. There we go. I figured it out. There we go. And you can find all my written work with whole nine sports and giantscountryofsi.com. And I will see you all tomorrow.